This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. So let me just start this morning, really, with a question. It's an important question as we begin to step into the Christmas season. It's this question. Has Christmas become routine for you? I mean, do you have some stuff that it's not Christmas unless I step in and I do this and I do that and I do that. And in that routine, has Christmas become more about the routine? than it is about Jesus because this is the subtle truth about Christmas and it's really a truth that encapsulates the rest of life but we see it so real at this time of year that the way that we encounter Jesus at Christmas really mirrors the way that we encounter him in everyday life. In a few days, your Christmas is going to be over. In just a few days. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. The next day is Christmas. In just a few days, all of this that we have been gearing for, planning for, prepping for, looking forward to is about to be over. And the question for you is this, will it have mattered? Will all of this, other than giving some gifts, perhaps receiving some, will it have mattered to you? I want to to tell you just something about the way that we encounter Jesus, whether it's today as we step into Christmas or as we deal with Jesus in everyday life. Jesus is one of three things to you. He is either absent, which means that Specifically in Christmas, as we step forward and enjoy the Christmas holidays, that means that there is nothing about what you celebrate that is remotely referencing Jesus. And it's sad because we live in a world that's taken a holiday that's specifically about God coming to earth, and we've made it about something totally different. And there are people who love Christmas who don't even know about Jesus. They love celebrating with their families. They love giving gifts. They love the holiday and the parades. But they don't know Jesus. Is Jesus absent from your Christmas? The second that he can be. He can be absent or present. And unfortunately, this is where Jesus is for most of us. He's present. He's a part of my Christmas. 
He's there. I mean, we go to church. We've dedicated every year in our family. We've went to a Christmas Eve service because that's what good folks in the South do, right? He's present. We, we read a little portion with my kids each year out of Luke 2. I read the story of Jesus coming to earth. I read that. But I want to submit to you that he's either absent, he's present, or he's central. You see, the problem with Jesus just being present is that we treat him like an ingredient in life. Like if I can just have some Jesus here and add him in a little bit, then all of a sudden everything's going to get a little bit better. Jesus is not like an ingredient that you add into a cake that makes it a little bit better. That leads to the way of thinking that puts some men in the frame of mind to say, hey, you know what? Jesus is a part of every day I have. I wake up every morning at 6 o'clock and have a devotional before I go to work, but those same men hit work and cheat men out of money. Okay, Jesus is not meant to be a part of your life. He's meant to be your life. In John 14, 6, Jesus says something that for our church is foundational. It's foundational for how we understand the world. It's foundational for how we understand what God has invited us into. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, in all the words Uttered in human history, those are some of the most bold words ever to be said. Because those people who would tell you, it doesn't matter how you get to God, just get to him. Be a Hindu, be a good Muslim. Well, Jesus says the only way you can get to the Father is through me. That's it. There's no other option. It's not go out and live good. It's not go out and be a good person. It's not go out and earn God's grace. The only way to get to the Father is through me. And he begins that statement with three things that he says. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, the reason Jesus can't just be present in our lives is because Jesus is life. And if we regard him to a special place in my life and just say, you know what, God, I'm going to leave you in this compartment, we keep him from being central. The reason we can't fully experience Christmas unless we celebrate Christmas with Jesus at the center 
is that Jesus is Christmas. For most of us, to celebrate Jesus at the center would not require any adjustments. The, the truth is, is that it all it requires, it doesn't mean that you have to go out and scrap family traditions. It doesn't mean that there are people that you all of a sudden now have to avoid. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is that the way I experience it has to change. What happens in here? What happens with me, the way that I go through this. You see, I don't lavish my kids with gifts just because I want them to have what every other kid has. I give to them generously because God has given to me generously. I want them to understand what grace is about. See, that's a same action, two different motivations. So this year, this Christmas, one of the things that I would want to remind you is that the most authentic life you could ever have is one that is centered on Jesus. And it's very easy for us in our, in our small-mindedness, because that's really what it is, to think, you know what, I've got, I've got it figured out. Because folks, I don't have a clue, but I know who Jesus is. I know who he is. And if he tells me that he is life and the best life that I could ever experience, I just want him. And I want to experience him at the middle of everything I do. And let me just tell you this. If you can't put Jesus at the middle of it, you probably ought not to be doing it in the first place. Okay? So in just a few days, some of y'all got a mess of kids and there's going to be a lot of dust flying around in your house, wrapping paper, going every which way. In a few days, all of that dust is going to settle. When you look back on this Christmas, is it going to be meaningful? Is it going to have been something God used to change you? Are you going to encounter Jesus this Christmas? Because it's my prayer that you will. Let's pray. Dear God, as we pause in your presence today. God, as we pause, we just want to humbly admit that we... We need you. We want to experience you this Christmas in a way that we never have. And so for some of us, God, that means that, well, we just need to change the perspective that we're living with. For some of us, God, it means that we need to change what we're doing. But whatever needs to change so that you can be at the center of this Christmas. So in a few days when all the dust settles and the wrapping presents and the wrapping paper has been thrown away, God, when all of that has happened, let us look back and say with full, full authority that this Christmas changed me for your glory and your goodness. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen. I'd like to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke to the second chapter. Reading, beginning in, in verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can look on your phone. If you've got a smartphone, if you have a dumb phone or a dumb user, either one, we will have the words on the screen for you. All right, so love you guys. Let's share in the scriptures here. Beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring you good news, or I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all these things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So we get ready to kind of shut down the Christmas series that we've called Small Christmas. I wanted to spend some time looking at the smallest characters of them all. Because... For us in our day, we're used to seeing some shepherds with their, their hats and their staffs and some sheep and, and some wise men row into town and worship Jesus and the nativity scenes that we have put on either in our churches or our homes with our families or with our friends. And I always got to be a shepherd. I didn't realize what an insult that was until I got to be older. Because in those days, it was very few jobs that existed down the rung below a shepherd. They were dirty. And shepherds didn't own the sheep. They weren't the ranchers. They weren't rich. These, these guys were, were fairly, fairly poor in relationship to the kind of common 
expectations for annual earning in their area. These guys were dirty and, and, and smelled like sheep. I mean, let's face it. And when Jesus is born, God opens up heaven and appears to a group of shepherds. And I think that as in God's wisdom through the writer Luke as he records this story, he gives us some things as to the reason that God, through the beginning of the story of redemption, continues to pull in some small people to begin a very big story. In verse 17, we see this, that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. In verse 20, we see this, that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, this is a story about worship. And it's really easy for those of us who have grown up in proximity to a church or to, a, to services to throw that word around and not really understand what it means. But this is a story about worship. You see, worship is just this. It is our response to God's work. The writer Richard Foster said it this way, that worship is our response to the overtures of love that God has played for us. Worship is always a response to something that God has done. And so this Christmas, I believe that as we take these first few steps into this holiday that we'll get to share together that God gives us some insights through the lives and the response that we see out of these shepherds as to what we could do this Christmas to experience a very meaningful Christ-centered Christmas. The first thing that I see in this is that we might need to hear this story again. Can I tell you something about the time period that the shepherds lived in? It was extremely common for folks to be longing for the coming Messiah. That was not new. And it was fairly common knowledge what the Bible had prophesied about where the Messiah would appear. You see, so the story that the shepherds are told that night is not a brand new story. But when they receive it, when they hear from an angel and God opens heaven and there's heavenly hosts worshiping God in front of them, they do not simply let it be information. So the second thing that I see in there is that when we hear the story, some of us need to hear the story again. We might need to get out the Bible and read the Bible 
You might need to get into Matthew 1, 2, and 3, Luke 1 and 2. You might need to dive into the story that's in Scripture. Some of us have heard it so much that you can almost quote those stories. You might need to pray, God, just let me hear this story again. But as we encounter that story, the second thing that I see that we need to do is to examine the truth that is in the Christmas story. As a matter of fact, let's just use the shepherds as we were talking about them as an example. In the two verses that we looked at, the shepherds do two things. The first one is that when they actually have responded and they go and they find it just as the Bible told them or as the angels told them it would be, when they find the little baby, the scriptures record that it doesn't just stop there. It's not just, oh, God told me he would do this. Look at what he did. No, it doesn't stop there. They begin to share their story. In Acts 1, Jesus says to the church that you will be my witnesses. The shepherds become God's witness, right? Maybe we need to examine that truth in our lives. The second thing is that they definitely respond to what God is doing around them. The angels give them this news and they don't just, again, they don't sit on it. They move. And I've told you this, I just want you to kind of let this sink in our hearts as a church that when God does something in you, when God reveals something to you, it is not to make you smarter. It's to cause you to move. Okay? God isn't so much about growing our intellect as much as he is about transforming our character. And so when this news is revealed to the shepherds, what do they choose to do? They choose to take it and respond to it. It's not like I can just sit here out in the pasture Knowing that the king of all kings is sitting in a manger, I can't do that. I got to go see it. And the Bible tells us that when they left, they were filled with awe, wonder, affection, worship. Because when God reveals something to you and you respond to what God does, you open a door for God to do something in your life. You see, God can't do anything if you just stay where you are. What was Jesus' invitation to the disciples? Not, y'all stay right there. I'm just going to give you a title. It was, come follow me. The invitation from God is always going to require you to move. And we see that at Christmas. And the last thing that we can see in this story is that if we hear this story again, if through hearing and encountering this story we can examine, re-examine the truth that is in the fact that God sent his son to earth, if we can do that, the last thing that we need to do is to be like the shepherds. We need to respond. 
You see, what will make this the most meaningful Christmas for you in the next few days is what you let God do in you as you encounter Jesus through this Christmas. You see, God's desire is not that we would go through something just because it's what we do, just because it's the emotions that I've always carried. I have to do this just because this is what my... No, take it and use it. Love your family. Some of y'all got Cousin Eddie's in your family from Christmas vacation, right? You realize God put them in your life for a reason? Because in just a few days, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, you're going to have to go eat lunch with them. And you know what? You might not know what it's like to actually give somebody grace unless you have to overlook the stupid things that dude's going to say when y'all sitting down to eat. This Christmas, it's not, the, it's not that anything in your routine has to change. But what has to change for us to put Jesus at the center of it is how we respond to him. Well, let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you that in this place today, we can honor you. That we can respond to the truth of you leaving heaven and coming to earth so that you could be born so that you could grow and develop and eventually die for my sins and so in this place God would you again invite us into powerful moment with you. God, thank you so much that that you have invited us into a relationship where our sin has already had its effect. But your grace can have an effect on us today. Now, around the room, I want to I ask just this question, just to be, I don't think I can get past this moment without asking this question today. If you're here and you would say, in your heart today, you would say, hey, you know what? I am not, I have never made that decision. I've never chosen to follow Jesus. I've never made that decision in my life, but I want to today. I want to make it real and powerful. I want to I want to just kind of start Christmas by embracing the best gift that I've ever been given through Jesus. If that's you today, you don't have to do anything. Now with nobody nobody looking, everybody eyes closed heads bowed. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. But if that's you, just so that I can pray with you, would you raise your hand for me right where you're at?
if that's you, if you would just say today, you know, I want to experience the newness in Christ that we've talked about. If that's you, raise your hand. And for the rest of us, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all would say, I'm ready to experience Christmas in a brand new way this year? How many of y'all would say, I'm ready to put Jesus at the center of my Christmas this year? Raise your hands if that's you. So God, for those that are in the room who are ready to make a commitment and those of us who want to make you the center of our Christmas experience, God, for all of us, thank you so much for what you've done. And invite us into a new journey. Change us and mold us so that we can be right with you, so that we can be holy for your good, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.